This whole year, everyone has been waiting for an October surprise, and it turns out the October surprise is that we're still talking about the same shit we were talking about in March. Surprise! <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. Yes, we are going to talk about Minnesota today. Uh, and we are coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative, uh, what am I, blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. All-around swell fellow, says me. Oh, thank you very much. From bradblog.com, finally someone thinks I'm swell. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, we're all just on pins and needles, aren't we? Yes. For some odd reason, I don't know why. Um, there have been uh, many legal cases of late, sort of, upending existing voting rules and laws. For example, the outrageous last-minute Thursday night ruling by two Republican judges on the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that could very easily flip Minnesota's election results to Donald Trump that I will talk about, that I will probably rail about, knowing me, in a bit. So please pay attention especially our listeners on uh, AM 950 up there in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, there have been many, so many rulings like that of late from the Supreme Court and other federal courts that as we have tried to keep up with them all, or at least as many as we could, uh, to keep you informed about them as best as I can here on the broadcast, we have not been able to keep you as updated and informed about concerns relating to voting and tabulation systems of late and electronic poll books and all the things that can and could and do and are and will go wrong with them through Election Day and beyond, as I would like. As I had noted some weeks ago, Maybe months ago, Desi Doyen. I don't know. Uh, Hard lost to track tell at all days, yes. at this point. Uh, but on several occasions, everything is now happening all at once. And with the few resources that we have on this program, thanks to those of you who support us at bradblog.com slash donate, 
Uh, we are doing the best we can to sort of triage and at least try to make sure that you understand the most important things so that you can take action on them in your community, wherever you may be listening tonight or this morning or this afternoon. That said, I am happy to say that so far I've not heard about a lot of these problems with electronic voting and tabulation and registration systems emerging so far, at least during the early voting period. I'm hoping that may be due to the increased use of hand-marked paper absentee ballot voting this year rather than, you know, important stories of, of voting system failures being lost amid all of the noise going on right now in this insane election with an insane president in the middle of the most deadly pandemic in more than a century. But uh, these concerns about the voting systems persist nonetheless and will likely be, well, starting to appear all over the place on Election Day and as counting proceeds in the days after, if not before. You can also toss into the mix uh, the widespread, seemingly coordinated ransomware attacks that have bl uh, that have locked up all computer networks and services at a whole bunch of hospitals across the country, taking them offline in recent days, forcing some of them to turn away patients or be unable to administer certain treatments like for cancer treatments that require computers that have now had to been had to be shut down because of these ransomware attacks seeking money in order to uh, unlock the computers. One of my uh, biggest concerns remains exactly such an attack as that on election facilities on or before Election Day where jurisdictions uh, that now foolishly rely on computers for voters to be able to cast a vote at all could be affected by such an attack, leaving voters unable to vote at all on Election Day. Or uh, there's also the power outages that we have seen in the recent days in the key battleground state of Georgia in the wake of Hurricane Zeta, which has knocked out power, forcing the closure of early voting sites there in that critical battleground. Uh, with both electronic poll books and touchscreen computer voting systems that cannot run at all if there is no power. The state says they hope to have all of the power restored at least by Election Day in Georgia. So, uh, but all of these concerns are all happening all at once. So, uh, yeah, we will get to this shocking Minnesota story shortly, uh, as well as uh, and shocking and troubling, frankly, as well as hopefully check in with a great longtime election integrity advocate who has also now become an election official in the critical battleground state of Pennsylvania which is also going through the throes of, of the effects of these uh, uh, rulings from the federal courts. So hopefully we can get in touch with her right now, uh, a little bit later, uh, to touch base on both voting system concerns and another ruling this week from the corrupt, stolen U.S. Supreme Court regarding the counting and, uh, more to the point, the potential wholesale rejection of perhaps tens of thousands, if not more, absentee ballots in the Keystone State, which purportedly flipped to Donald Trump in 2016 for the first time in decades, just barely by just over 43,000 votes, I believe, out of about 6 million cast. But before all of that, I want to hit one story about the voting systems that I had hoped 
to get to on our previous show when I was covering some issues regarding Texas, uh, mostly positive issues regarding the huge turnout we've been seeing in uh, really all across the state, but especially in Harris County. That is Houston. And that is thanks to innovative early voting systems that were put in place by the county clerk there after Democrats won all of the countywide offices for the first time, I think, in 2018. And they placed a huge amount of resources into this year's elections, boosting their previous spending on elections from $4 million to $31 million. Well, the results have been huge turnout in the state's most populous county. It's also the nation's third most populous county. Uh, and the voting in Houston, Harris County, has outpaced all of 2016 in that county. And not just all of early voting in 2016, but all of voting period in Harris County. And now, by the way, as of late night, uh, last night, it was reported that the entire state of Texas has now outpaced all of its voting numbers from 2016 during early voting. Which, which is fantastic news. It, it is amazing news. That said, Texas has very low uh, voter yes. turnout historically. So it's a very low bar. It's a pretty low bar, but to do it before Election Day is pretty impressive. Uh, before Election Day, or as it should now uh, be known forevermore, your deadline to vote. So uh, the story that I couldn't get into uh, in our previous show, I do want to get in here. Uh, many counties in Texas, sadly, still use 100 percent unverifiable computer voting systems at the polling place. Even in early voting, that means uh, if the elections are close there, well, as some now predict it could be even in the presidential race, uh, we may never know actually how the voters intended to vote on those systems, those computerized touchscreen voting system, touchscreen-like voting systems. But in Tarrant County, Texas, that's Fort Worth, even the hand-marked paper absentee ballots are now causing problems thanks to the computers that the county relies on to tally them. It's a problem that would never be occurring if human beings counted those ballots publicly, as should happen in this country, but alas, they don't and we don't in almost every state. And so we get this. Roughly one-third of Tarrant County's mail-in ballots are getting rejected by ballot scanners due to uh, what the county is describing as illeg Ill illegible barcodes by the printing company, according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. I think you used to call that the Startlegram, yes, didn't you? Yes, that's an old you joke from Texas. Texas. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, this the Star-Telegram. Yeah, well, this is a startling report. From the Startlegram? Sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tarrant County Election Administrator Heider Garcia placed the blame on the uh, printing vendor, as officials said that the scanners are having trouble reading the barcodes on the envelope to validate the ballot inside of it, which is causing the scanners to reject them. Garcia told the Tarrant County Commissioner uh, Commissioner's Court this week that the Elections Board will have to manually recopy the mail-in ballots with illeg illegible how do you say that? Illegible. Thank you. Barcodes. <laughs> I told you I was tired. Uh, that they're going to have to manually recopy those ballots onto new ballots under the state election code. Why don't they just count the ones that they have by hand that they're looking at physically? Because they can't. Because it's Texas who orders them to do it this way under law. 
That said, uh, the uh, Tarrant County Commissioner says that every vote will ultimately be counted properly. Garcia told the board what's happening is we scan the ballots in and the scanner says, I don't identify these documents. I can't see the barcodes, so I can't count them. Garcia said they are having to scan the ballots in, separate the faulty, the faulty ones and go through the same process that the ballot board follows with overseas ballots. In that case, Garcia explained, overseas voters receive their ballot via email and they print it out themselves. And then once the board receives that ballot by mail, they copy it onto an official ballot, which is then scanned. Yes, they they really do this process that I find extremely offensive. It's called remaking the ballot. They literally have a person who looks at the real ballot, the one that was actually, you know, cast by the voters hands, the hand marked ballot. And then they copy that ballot supposedly identically. But, well, you know, who knows? onto a new so-called official ballot, which is then finally scanned by the computers, either correctly or incorrectly. Nobody will ever know unless those ballots are actually counted by hand, which they do not do in Texas, of course. That is the process outlined by the law, says Garcia. It's certainly a lot more volume than we expected to have to do it. Usually the board has to make hundreds of remakes. Now they say they're talking about thousands Mm. of remakes that they're going to have to make. They say their goal is to make sure we don't improvise but protect the integrity of the ballot and follow the process outlined in the law. Well, that's the goal. But, you know, without public oversight of that process of remaking tens of thousands of ballots by hand, who knows, ultimately? Garcia says they they think they have the time and the resources to do it in the time frame they have. But we'll see. Tarrant County Judge Glenn Whitley uh, said that as of Tuesday of this week, 22,000 ballots had so far been rejected by the computers. The printing vendor who they are blaming, uh, the printing vendor for Tarrant County is an old longtime ballot services company named Runback Election Services based in Arizona. Uh, this uh, this election year alone, we've printed nearly 100 million ballots, Runbeck said in a statement, many of which have been the same type of ballot that is used in Tarrant County without experiencing any scanning issues. Runbeck is working with Tarrant County, they say, uh, to investigate to see if the problem is printing related or scanning related. They're blaming maybe the scanners not Hmm. saying maybe not our fault so all of this is to say that stories like this underscore the necessity of public oversight in every step of the process that is now playing out over the next few days and potentially weeks depending on how all of this goes so i'm encouraging you to find a way to get involved where you live if you can most jurisdictions allow some form of public oversight of these proceedings like remaking ballots, whether it's watching these paper ballots go through scanners or participating in in what some jurisdictions describe as post-election audits, overseeing that offensive process of remaking the ballots. Our election system is not or at least should not be reliant on trust or faith in election officials or, of course, private vendors, private contractors. Elections belong to we the people, not to the election officials or the private vendors and contractors. 
But uh, we can only take ownership of these elections if we actively do so. There are many ways that you can personally get involved, whether it's helping out on Election Day to make sure that folks in line have food and water and chairs, observing inside the polling place, taking photos and videos of voting system polling tapes at the end of the night that are printed out at the polling place. Uh, as we sometimes find disparities from what the the results that the scanners may uh, print out at the end of the night at the polling place versus how they are later reported at central headquarters by the state. If you're looking for ideas on how to get involved, you can check scrutineers.org. That's a new election integrity collective run by our friend Emily Levy or smartelections.us run by our friend Lulu Freistat. Or you can go to protectourvotes.com, run by the great election integrity Twitter activist Jenny Cohn. You should follow her, by the way, on Twitter at Jenny Cohn one So because we're not going to be able to do everything here, much less cover it all. But we can use your help out there. Uh, I can use your help right here. You can email me anytime at bradcast at bradblog.com. Uh, I can't always answer right away or sometimes ever, but I do try to read everything and answer whenever I can or look into problem reports that come in. This is our election. This is not Donald Trump's election. This is not Joe Biden's election. This is ours. This is yours. But we have to take ownership of it. So oversight, oversight, oversight by people like you. That is how we assure or at least try to assure democracy actually works. So let's get busy. Just a few days of this nightmare left, I hope. Let's take a quick break. We're back with the horrific news for Minnesota voters from two Republican federal court judges last night as the cold civil war on democracy and the war to save it continues after a quick break. Right here on the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to your Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. A three-judge federal appeals court panel on Thursday night, just five days before the most critical and arguably most contentious presidential election in U.S. history, said that Minnesota's longtime plan to count absentee ballots postmarked by Election Day but received up to seven days afterwards was illegal siding with a couple of Republican electors who sued in the battleground state. That, after this rule to uh, accept ballots postmarked by Election Day but not received for seven days afterwards, had been agreed upon back in July 
of this year and approved by a state court under state law after the plan had been agreed to by uh, voting rights advocates, the secretary of state and even the Trump campaign, which agreed to not challenge this settlement that was struck back in July months ago in a battleground state, Minnesota. Uh, That plan was spelled out in the instructions that was given to all vote-by-mail voters when they received their mail-in ballots. There's a a note in there specifically reading, and I quote, Your returned ballot must be postmarked on or before Election Day, November 3rd, and received by your absentee voting office within seven days of the election to be counted clear as can be nonetheless in a two-to-one decision on thursday night the u.s eighth circuit court of appeals said that the deadline extension based on that state court approved settlement between minnesota's democratic uh, secretary of state steve simon and the voting rights group was unconstitutional somehow under federal law The appeals court decision states, however well-intentioned and appropriate from a policy perspective in the context of a pandemic during a presidential election, it is not the province of a state executive official to rewrite the state's election code. There is no pandemic exception to the Constitution, the majority wrote, that uh, the majority is two Republican-appointed judges. The Eighth Circuit then sent the case back to a lower court and instructed it to require Minnesota election officials to identify and segregate absentee ballots that are received after November 3, at which time I think it's fair to say all matter of chaos has broken out over this in Minnesota. The litigation, as Reuters reported last night, is in a preliminary stage. Those ballots would not be counted if a final judgment is entered in the Republicans' favor, which means even if Minnesota voters Uh, have now heard about this news and now uh, know that they must deliver their ballot in person right now to assure that it gets counted or vote in person on Election Day. Uh, What uh, what about those ballots that were sent uh, on, you know, the day of this ruling or a few days before it, given that the U.S. Postal Service has said that they cannot promise delivery of election mail in less than seven days? Are all of those ballots that were cast almost a week before Election Day going to be rejected in Minnesota? Well, according to the two Republicans in the majority on this ruling, yes, yes, they will be nullified and void in a state that Donald Trump and Republicans have been working hard for months to try to flip from blue to red this year. Secretary of State. Uh, Steve Simon said that in a call with reporters that the timing of the ruling was unnecessarily disruptive and that Minnesota Minnesotans must now find alternatives to mailing in their ballots. He said just shy of 400,000 ballots were ordered by voters uh, but have not yet been received. Oh, dear. He called the ruling confusing. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, she blasted the, quote, last minute ruling on Twitter. She says in the middle of a pandemic, the Republican Party is now doing everything to make it hard for you to vote. This last minute ruling, which essentially makes up new federal law that is contrary to previous Supreme Court rulings, though is based on this new right wing idea being pushed by Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. 
and other right-wingers on the stolen uh, Supreme Court, uh, though it's never been adopted by the court's majority, this new idea comes courtesy of these two appellate court federal judges, one appointed by Donald Trump and one by George W. Bush. The dissenting judge in this uh, case was a Barack Obama appointee. Minnesota law requires that absentee ballots be received by Election Day, but that deadline was extended through this settlement that Simon reached with a citizens group uh, that had sued earlier this year, and that was back in July. It was approved by a state court judge allowing the state election officials to count ballots received until November 10, as long as they're postmarked by November 3. And yet, uh, and again, the the Trump campaign uh, said, no, we won't challenge that. Back in July. And now Minnesota's Republican Party chair, Jennifer Carnahan, is out there on Twitter after this ruling saying the Democrats are losing it. Their efforts to manipulate our election laws met a roadblock today, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals and the law. She said the integrity of our elections to have votes in by 8 p.m. Election Day is intact. We will always applaud freedom and fairness. What this has to do with either freedom or fairness, I'm not exactly clear. I would call it treachery, to be honest. Correct. Uh, And frankly, chaos. We've talked many times on this show about the Purcell principle that the U.S. Supreme Court has started Uh, putting in place uh, to avoid this kind of confusion, to avoid confusion that occurs if you change election laws right before the elections, as seems to be what these two judges are trying to do here. That's the Purcell principle, essentially saying that it's, you know, bad, even bad election laws or rules uh, that could disenfranchise thousands of voters. Even those should not be changed just before an election to avoid chaos for voters and poll workers and election officials alike. It's hard to think of a decision uh, that could inject more chaos at this point into the election in Minnesota. Uh, the, uh, the court apparently addressed Purcell, the appeals court, uh, saying that it had at least put, quote, voters on notice while they still have at least some time to adjust their plans and cast their votes in an unquestionably lawful way. So they're claiming that five days before an election is perfectly in line with Purcell. That's not a last minute change. They've got plenty of time to go out and find other ways to cast their vote. Pay no attention to whatever instructions might be printed on your actual ballot. Correct. And so uh, we're hoping the word gets out. I'm hoping that uh, folks listening on AM 950 up there in Minneapolis, St. Paul, are listening closely and spreading the word at this point. Yes, tell everyone you know. The Minnesota Secretary of State has said uh, at this point that voters can check to see if they've already sent in their ballot. Let's say, you know, yesterday or the day before. Uh, They can check to see if it has arrived by going to mnvotes.org, as in Minnesota votes, mnvotes.org slash track. And they can learn if their ballot uh, has arrived in time to be counted. If not, voters can uh, show up and get another absentee ballot or vote in person on Election Day. 
And if you have an absentee ballot already, but you haven't mailed it in, for God's sakes, don't mail it in. (laughs) Walk it in, drive it in, whatever. You can deliver ballots to your county election office by hand, or you can have someone that you trust hand deliver it for you. Or you can be that someone that someone else can trust to hand deliver their ballot for them. So reach out. Uh, And uh, otherwise, at this point, vote in person in Minnesota. That ruling in Minnesota, that astounding ruling, uh, came just one day after the U.S. Supreme Court left in place a North Carolina uh, law and a Pennsylvania's uh, extended deadlines in both cases, extended deadlines for receiving mail-in ballots. The U.S. Supreme Court left that in place. The North Carolina case was almost identical to the one in Minnesota in that it was based on a settlement that was struck between the state and voting rights advocates who had sued uh, earlier this year. In that case, the state legislature uh, had left it, according to law, leave the, North Carolina leaves it to the governor and the bipartisan state board of elections to make contingency plans as necessary during a natural disaster, which the COVID pandemic absolutely fits to a T under state law, where a disaster declaration uh, is currently in place. In that case, however, North Carolina voters uh, will still have more than a week for their ballots to reach election officials and still be counted uh, even after the Supreme Court. uh, Well, they declined to intervene on Wednesday night in North Carolina, though, the course, radical right wingers once again dissented in that case. But they didn't have enough votes without Amy Coney Barrett, who did not participate in the ruling. Uh, having just been recently seated, she did not participate in, uh, well, the Minnesota ruling has not yet reached the U.S. Supreme Court. So the deadline in North Carolina, another incredibly close uh, swing state, um, is November 12, though ballots still must be postmarked on or before November 3. Um, The previous deadline for ballots to receive by local boards was three days after the elections. That's set by uh, the state's Republican majority lawmakers, but that was extended uh, as part of this settlement. But the right wingers on the Supreme Court and apparently down at the federal level are now uh, ginning up this notion that has been rejected has never been accepted by a majority of the Supreme Court that the U.S. Constitution's election clause, which says that uh, the time, place and manner of elections must be determined by state legislatures, that that somehow overrides state election law. Even though the majority of the Supreme Court has never said that is the case, but now we are seeing that there are enough uh, justices on the uh, on the Supreme Court to go along with this radical idea if Amy Coney Barrett starts voting in these cases and starts voting on the side of this radical idea that even Chief Justice John Roberts does not currently accept as legitimate. Uh, this is what uh, this is where we are headed. This crazy notion that uh, even a legislature who uh, and this is something that the Supreme Court has said, that legislatures may delegate that authority to other officials, for example, the secretary of state. That's what they did in uh, North Carolina when they said, hey, during national emergencies, 
contingency election plans may be made by the State Board of Elections, which is bipartisan, by the way. So for now, at least in North Carolina, that is in place. Um, in Pennsylvania, it's also in place, uh, this extension, but it might not be for long. So the Supreme Court on Monday, you may recall, ruled five to three that Wisconsin could not extend its deadline for accepting uh, uh, late arriving mail-in ballots past Election Day, even though in the week prior, the court in a four to four decision had failed to block a similar decision uh, from Pennsylvania that allowed up to three days after Election Day for ballots to be counted. They did not block that one. It was a tie, 4-4, to so the lower court ruling uh, stood. Chief Justice John Roberts explained why he opposed the deadline in Wisconsin but approved it in Pennsylvania. He said uh, the Pennsylvania application implicated the authority of state courts to apply their own state constitutions to election regulations. So that was a state court decision, and he didn't want to touch it. He says this ruling in Wisconsin, however, involves a federal intrusion on state lawmaking process. It was a federal court that came in and said, yes, Wisconsin can count ballots that are extended after Election Day. He objected to the federal courts coming into the state lawmaking process, but not uh, uh, but not the state making that determination on their own. However, there were four right wingers on that court willing to throw out even Pennsylvania's state Supreme Court ruling about Pennsylvania's state laws on elections. That was four to four. Uh, Barrett did not participate in that case. She wasn't yet seated, but now she is. And Republicans were not satisfied with that ruling. They wanted another bite at that apple. And they got another bite at that apple of a sort. They have asked the uh, Supreme Court to expedite another challenge to that same uh, to that same matter. <laughs> we didn't like what you said, so we're going to do it again. And in this case, the Supreme Court has said, well, no, we're not going to expedite another ruling. We're going to consider it after Election Day. And what does that mean? Well, what that means is that ballots that now come in after Election Day in Pennsylvania, even if they're postmarked in advance before Election Day, um, they are now going to be segregated, just like what we're seeing in uh, Minnesota. Separate but equal, if you will. Until we decide that they're not. Until we decide to throw them out entirely after the election, after Election Day, after we see if, in fact, those ballots will be needed to, I don't know, give the election to Donald Trump or take it away from Donald Trump. Whatever they decide after they see the results, whether those ballots should be counted or rejected. And what does that mean for you as a voter? Well, who knows? Who knows at this point? Uh, does it sound as troubling to all of you as this does to me? I hope it does. So let me take a quick breath here and a, and a quick breather to sort of calm down from what seems to be going on here at the last minute in violation of Purcell, the principle that the Supreme Court used to pretend they cared about. You can't change it at the last minute. It will be chaos. And we'll head down to Pennsylvania. 
To find out what kind of chaos is being wrought there, we will speak with longtime election integrity advocate, now turned election official, Mary Beth Kuznick, to see how all of this is playing out in the Keystone State with voters and uh, to talk to her about her concerns regarding voting systems like those unverifiable touchscreen systems that they are now using for the first time in Philadelphia and much more. Uh, Breathe. Just try to breathe. Calm down. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate and thanks. I see what you're doing there, Desi Doyen. I see from both sides now. Uh, as our guest will discuss momentarily. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. According to Jeffrey Skelly at 538.com today. Uh, There are a couple of new polls in Pennsylvania since late uh, yesterday, both of which give Biden a a lead in the mid to high single digits. So it's still a slim lead, but they did not change the forecasts outlook. Biden still has, according to 538, an 86 out of 100 chance of winning in Pennsylvania, according to the site's forecast for the state. Neither of these new polls showed much of a change from their previous, the same polls, uh, previous surveys in the state. Um, Quinnipiac finds Biden is up by seven points in Pennsylvania. That is almost identical to what they found in October. Another, uh, the other poll from Political IQ had given Biden a six-point advantage Uh, both in the latest poll and the one in early October. Skelly notes that they are watching Pennsylvania especially closely, as any movement there matters a lot in 538's overall forecast for the presidential election, as it's the state uh, currently, as they see it, most likely to decide the Electoral College. And the margin, as it currently stands, leaves room still for Trump to win on November 3rd or after, since it might take a bit to get the final results in that state. In fact, Pennsylvania, unlike many states, is not allowed under state law to begin counting their mail-in ballots until Election Day. They cannot even begin processing them until Election Day. So it may take some days before we know who won or lost in that key battleground state. And as discussed in the previous segment, we may see Supreme Court intervention that rules that ballots postmarked by Election Day, but that arrive after Election Day may not be counted at all. All of that depends largely on one single person. That would be Donald Trump's newly appointed justice, Amy Coney Barrett, who would likely be the deciding vote in that matter, deciding to go along with this new radical concept that could result in tens, hundreds of thousands of ballots being thrown out in Pennsylvania, in Minnesota and perhaps elsewhere. 
So it's little wonder that the Republicans and Trump rushed to ram her onto the court in record time, the closest ever to an actual election day in history. That after blocking Barack Obama's 2016 nominee to the court for more than a year because they claimed back then that a Supreme Court justice should never be seated during a presidential election year. At the same time, as we have discussed for many months on this show, while much of the state of Pennsylvania, thankfully, is now voting on hand-marked paper ballots for the first time in many years, key jurisdictions like Philadelphia, incredibly enough, Democratic-leaning Philadelphia, they have chosen to use unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices there. New systems for the first time. Systems which failed miserably during the primaries in the state earlier this year. For example, they failed to record votes entirely in some precincts for some candidates that, in fact, had received thousands of votes in those precincts. Joining us now to help us get a sense of how things are going amid all of this chaos just days before Election Day at this point in the state that Donald Trump believes is key to his victory this year, and pundits agree, is our old friend and, in my opinion, longtime election integrity hero and champion, Mary Beth Kuznick of the nonpartisan election integrity group VotePA.us. They have been fighting for well over a decade at this point for verifiable voting and other issues of overseeable participatory democracy in Pennsylvania. But there is a twist today as Mary Beth joins us today for the first time in a year or so. She is now also the county election director in Armstrong County, Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh, where she is, yes, seeing life from both sides now. Mary Beth Kuznick, welcome back to the broadcast, and thank you for taking time for us at what I know must be an insane moment for you out there right now. Oh, hi, Brad. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad to be back. And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy here. So I got a lot to ask you about in a short time. But after all of these years as an election integrity advocate, how did you become the election director in Armstrong County, I believe, as of September? And of course, you realize now I'm going to have to be really mean to you and destroy your life on the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, et cetera, right? Well, Please don't do that. Okay, well, <laughs> we, um, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we're doing our best. You know, I'm doing my best. Here's the thing, Brad. I, I um, so, some of your listeners may know. I finally, after all the years in election integrity, decided to go to law school mm-hmm. because I figured I'd gone as far as I can as a as a as a lay advocate. And mm-hmm. um, while in law school, I did developed an interest in uh, or had an opportunity to work with a public defender's office in Armstrong County. And, uh, you know, became familiar with the county, and they became familiar with me. Mm-hmm. And I graduated in May. Uh, the bar exam has been pro- postponed twice because of COVID. Uh-huh. So this position came open, and the folks up here knew that I am very strongly involved in elections. And it, it was a match made. I don't know if I'll say <laughs> in heaven, because it's actually it is. I mean, it's very, very, very much, uh, I'd, I'd say, fun to do this. It's hard, and it's. Yeah. This is a crazy election, but it's it's important and fun, I think fun. Well, uh, and and so I mean, wh- why did this uh, vacancy open up in September? I mean, just a month or two before this uh, huge election. Well, the previous director, um, she'd been here around five years, and uh-huh. um, it's a it's a hard job. I mean, you know, we're always you know we in the advocacy community are often quick to to uh, you know. Mm-hmm 
speak about the election directors, but this is not an easy job. And mm-hmm. if if anybody listening to this program ever has the opportunity to become an election director, it's an eye opener. I will tell you, as much <laughs> as I've been involved. So uh, the previous director had another employment opportunity, mm-hmm. and um, she it was just open when it was, and it, you know she felt it was too good of an opportunity to pass. Well, that said, she's still helping me as a consultant. Oh, good. She is here every pretty much every day. She just left a little while ago, and um, if I didn't have her, I probably couldn't do this. Well, yeah, I was going to say, this is quite a trial by fire, Mary Beth. Uh, we talked <laughs> about all of these rulings from the state courts, the U.S. Supreme Courts, in our previous segment, and, you know, as I understand, you will now have to segregate absentee ballots postmarked by Election Day, but that come in after Election Day. Do I understand that correctly, and, and do you expect that that will be a lot of paper ballots at this point, uh, Maribel? Well, Brad, we don't know how many because Pennsylvania has never had no excuse mail-in before, as you know. Mm-hmm. So we're in uncharted territory here, especially we've never had it during a, a, a global pandemic. Right. A lot of people did vote by mail. I hope they have gotten them in. I notice our mail, incoming mail, is slowly going down in volume. So mm. I hope that means that the people have gotten their ballots back. We're, we had about 8,600, 8,600 go out, mm-hmm. and we have a, almost 5,600 back. So I, that remaining group, I don't know if they're planning to go to the polls mm-hmm. and, and not vote by mail, because um, vote by mail has been maligned, mm-hmm. as you know. Yep. But if they Otherwise, they might be coming in after, Boy. you know, after the, uh, on the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. And w- yep, we have to segregate. And, and we don't because we don't know if those will or will not be allowed to be counted. Now, as you say, this is the first uh, time for no excuse absentee balloting in Pennsylvania after the state late last year enacted uh, Act sixty seven, uh, Act seventy seven. I think it was Act seventy. Oh yes, 70, yeah. yes, Act seventy seven. And but that was uh, did a lot of good things, including allowing for uh, no-excuse mail-in voting. But uh, as I understand it, it blocks jurisdictions from counting and I think even processing these absentee ballots up until Election Day. Am I correct about that? That, Yeah, that yes, that's correct. Um, That was pretty much always the case, but there was it was just involving a small amount amount of of absentee ballots, Mm -hmm. much, much smaller numbers. Act 77 did give us some good stuff. It also gave us some some tricky stuff. You folks on the West Coast, you you know, Oregon and Washington, Oregon particularly, they took years, years to develop their vote-by-mail system. Mm-hmm. And Pennsylvania tried to put it in with in less than six months. Had COVID not come along, it was still less than six months. Mm-hmm. So that's a short time to be putting a, a major change like this mm-hmm. together and there are things that, you know, need to be re-examined and it's going to have to be an evolving process because... Well, I mean, had the had the COVID not happened, you probably wouldn't have had these types of numbers of absentee ballots. But knowing that they're going to have these types of numbers, did the legislature just uh, decide they would not choose to, as many other states have, to allow these ballots to at least be processed? They have to be opened, authenticated, all of that before they can even be counted. Why wasn't action taken there to let you guys get at these things before Election Day, as most other states do? Well, there were uh, 
bills pending in the Pennsylvania legislature. But I always, you know, our legislature is very recalcitrant. We're 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 always we're like a glacier. We move very slowly here until something breaks off. So, um, it, you know, we just it just didn't move. I mean, the governor and um, and his opponent party in mm-hmm. the legislature just couldn't come to agreement. So we, here we are. So with that in mind, Mary Beth, how long do you expect it will take after Election Day to actually get ballots counted in Armstrong, which I know is, uh, is sort of a uh, you're north of Pittsburgh, I believe it's sort of a rural suburban rural county uh, north of Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're about 40 miles from downtown Pittsburgh, so it's not horribly far out into the hinterlands, but Uh it's very rural. It's a a very beautiful county. Um, It's northeast of Pittsburgh. It touches Allegheny County, which is the county that contains Pittsburgh. Mm so how long? I honestly it? don't. Yeah. I don't know how long this is going to take, Brad. It again. We are in uncharted water here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in the spring when they um, had uh, that was actually the first election for the no no excuse absentee. Mm-hmm. They had about forty nine hundred ballots to count, and it took them three days. Okay. So we're going to try to make longer shifts and have shifts, and hopefully we can get these done quickly. But we're not going to know on election night, that's for sure. And are you hearing a similar from your uh, your now fellow election official colleagues around the state that they're hoping to get it done in, in three or four days, that it's possible to get it done in three or four days? Well, honestly, I'm not hearing too much because I don't think anybody has time to, to chat back and forth, and I'm gotcha. a newbie to this, to this community. But um, from what I'm what I am hearing, different counties are doing different things. Some are going to try to go 24 hours a day. We just don't have the means to do that. Mm. Um, some have purchased more equipment. The larger counties have purchased, you know, real state-of-the-art mail processing processing equipment. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't. We do have an envelope opener, but we don't have, and we don't need, a, you know, a giant mm-hmm. thing that can can handle thirty thousand ballots in in an hour. Is this like something that. that would be helped, or you know, could could people, the citizens there in Armstrong, the public, could they come in and help in some fashion, or is this something that they can come in maybe and observe, but uh, that you you couldn't actually that they couldn't actually help uh, in some fashion to handle ballots or to do signature matching or whatever needs to be done? I'm, I'm actually uh, seeking volunteers. They have to be sworn. They have to be citizens of the county and registered voters, and mm-hmm. they have to be, um, uh, we have to have a, a partisan balance. Mm-hmm. When, for example, if four people are counting, it should be at least some Democrats, some Republicans, and ideally, you know, there could be independents or, or mm-hmm. uh, other alternative parties, but not all of one party. So, right. Yeah, um, if anybody's on here from Armstrong, call me up. <laughs> yes, Armstrong County, please help out my friend Mary Beth Kuznick so I don't have to be mean to her on the Brad blog when things go uh, south. Mary Beth, what, what type of uh, election day voting system does Armstrong use? I know that Philadelphia is using these terrible, unverifiable uh, uh, touchscreen systems that I hate, but you guys don't use it. You guys are voting on hand-marked paper ballots even on election day, am I correct? Correct, yes. Um, I wouldn't be working here if they, I would not be administering unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices. You know, you know that, Brad. Good. Um, <laughs> but um, we, the county has chosen the Dominion system. Um, it's the image cast precinct, little image cast scanner, and uh-huh. they have the um, image cast X for disability access. And I'm 
learning that very few people use it, the touchscreen. Most people like the paper ballots here. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be their third election on them, and they uh, lots of people have said how much they appreciate them mm-hmm. over the old Diebold machines that they yeah. had before. Yeah. Well, that's good, at least. Uh, and mm-hmm. so with that, I mean, even if there are problems, I was uh, talking earlier, you know, they're having power outages because of the Hurricane Zeta. They're having power outages in uh, in Georgia at some of the early voting precincts. They can't vote. Even in a case like that, if the scanners go down, you're able to allow voters to vote, correct? Your system does not rely on computers for them to actually either uh, fill out their ballot or to check them in at the polling place with those electronic poll books, does it? No, we have no electronic poll books. And yes, the the scanners have an emergency slot. If the power went off or if if a scanner malfunctions, you voters can still vote. This is the beauty of this kind of a system over touchscreens because when the touchscreens are down, you're done. You can't vote. Um, but there is a an emergency slot on the scanner, uh, mm-hmm. the ballot box that ballots can be deposited in that while the outage is on. And then when the scanner comes back up or we bring another scanner in or the power comes on, they can be either scanned in the precinct or brought back separately and scanned in the Mm -hmm. home office. My biggest concern about Pennsylvania, Mary Beth, is Philadelphia and those new unverifiable touchscreen systems they'll be using for the first time in a presidential election this year. Do you share those concerns? And I guess this is with your hat on as the founder of VotePA.us. Do you share my concerns about what could go wrong in Philadelphia this year? Or do you have confidence that, oh, the, the folks in Philly got this one? Well, I have zero confidence in that Express Vote XL giant touchscreen, you know, huge machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the most expensive and most wasteful voting system ever developed, frankly, um, because it's so big, it's so unnecessary. Every voter does not need a $9,000 touchscreen to cast a ballot. Um, I have not been in Philadelphia, so I, you know, I haven't seen with my eyes, but there have been reports of doors being open and accessing access to the elections buildings uh, by unauthorized people and things like that, which is alarming. Um, I, as a, you know, as a as a vote PA uh, member, mm-hmm. you know, we've always been supportive of handmarked paper ballots and, uh, you know, with with audits, appropriate risk limiting audits or audits that will make it so we have a reasonable reasonable belief that whoever we say won actually won mm. uh, but philly is yeah philly is um it worries me yeah yeah i was going to ask if we should be concerned about the possibility of chaos in pennsylvania this year mary beth I'll, i guess i'll just ask about uh, your jurisdiction do you expect uh things to go smoothly at this point yeah brad here i mean this is a very uh, a calm rural county it tends to be a red county it's it's a lot of uh, salt of the earth people very you know they're they're mm-hmm. old what i what i call old-fashioned republicans live here and mm-hmm. and many democrats and many we you know many alternative party members um i don't expect or you know i'm, I'm not worrying about any massive confusion or anything at the polls here i i will say that just getting back quickly to philly you know there was a uh you know, there's a, a civil situation going on there in response to a shooting, mm-hmm. a police shooting, yeah. and that may spill over into Election Day, and that may affect, you know, their results for sure and, you know, 
consequently the state results. So our end of the state, we're just you know trying to make sure everything runs smoothly. Um, and this county north of Pittsburgh will be as smooth as we possibly can be. Well, I uh, I hope so, and I hope the whole state is like that. And yeah, I mean, there's just about everything that uh, could go wrong uh, in advance of an election seems to be uh, going wrong uh, for Pennsylvania. Let's hope this U.S. Supreme Court does not make it worse after the election, forcing all of these uh, ballots uh, by, you know, voters of any party to be thrown out uh, just because they came in late, they were postmarked on time, but they were delivered late. Uh, Mary Beth, I've got about 30 seconds here, and I don't know if you can answer this, but after years uh, as one of the state's preeminent election integrity advocates, uh, now that you're on the other side of the table, so to speak, what advice do you have for election integrity folks to make working with election officials more productive? Wow. Well, I could we could do a whole show on that, Brad, but for right now, I'd just say be patient. Um, you know, I've always felt that uh, the people in the election offices in general, in general, mm-hmm. mean well, and they do, and they, you know, have an incredibly difficult job. The, the amount of stuff that one person or, or a handful of people have to do, especially in these smaller counties, is just off the charts. So, be patient with them. Don't expect results for this election. On election night, they will not come. No one's going to hoist the trophy, and, uh, and maybe sometime we can talk about this whole situation mm-hmm. with election directors and activists, because it's a very interesting perspective to have seen it from both sides. I, I actually, I can't wait for that conversation, and I, and we'll, uh, when we both have more time to uh, have it at length, because it does sound interesting. Uh, Mary Beth Kuznick, uh, great election integrity hero uh, at VotePA.us. You can find them on Facebook at VotePA. Uh, she is now the election director of of Armstrong County, Pennsylvania. Mary Beth, thank you for taking time out of a very busy moment for us. It's greatly appreciated, and good Lord, good luck on uh, Tuesday and beyond. Well, thank you, Brad, and thanks for all you're doing and your listeners that are working for election integrity. Keep working for better elections. Stay in touch. Let us know how we can help. Thanks, Mary Beth. Will do. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we have got to get out. My thanks yes. to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And at this point in the year, I have to underscore my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and I stay on your public airwaves. Desi and me on your public airwaves. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, well, anyway, bradblog.com slash donate. We had hoped to stay on until Election Day and... It looks like we're going to make it. (laughs) Uh, You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad blog. That is it. We'll see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.